We are midway through our troubled December of 2020. The pandemic rages. We are left rather puzzled at how the vaccine will be trotted out. We are on the threshold of winter here in Minnesota. It's a good time to feel nostalgia about something. We could call up the unique memories of the 1987 and 1991 World Series, World Serieses, but I am 65 and I am suggesting we look back further. Let us go back to the entrancing summer of 1965. I was 10 years old and our still new Minnesota Twins won the American League pennant. The Twins were in their fifth year after moving from Washington, D.C. under owner Calvin Griffith, who is now persona non grata in Minnesota history. Justified? Well, I'm not sure about that. Sanitizing history is going to be very difficult. We erase Garrison Keillor's name from the University of Minnesota due to the Me Too movement. But consider some of the people for whom buildings are named on campus. It gets complicated. My generation loved Archie Bunker on TV. We knew full well his Neanderthal nature, but that was a side distraction. He reminded many of us of our own parents. The World War II generation was not without its issues. But just think of the nation they bequeathed to us. Griffith is Minnesota history. He sure was not hesitant about players of color coming on board. Compare that to the Boston Red Sox of that time. He put a welcome mat out for Cubans. Game one of the 65 series was played in our Bloomington, Minnesota. It was Metropolitan Stadium, now fading in our collective memory. Believe me, it was an entrancing place. Our leadoff hitter for game one was Zoilo Versailles. The shortstop from Cuba would be honored as American League Most Valuable Player. Another Cuban sat at number two in our lineup, Sandy Valdespino. He only had one good year of offensive productivity and that was in 1965. But in 1967, Sandy made perhaps the greatest outfield catch in Twins history. Was it better than Bob Allison's catch in the 65 series? Let's call it a push. Sandy's catch was in a regular season game versus Cleveland. The ball was hit by Larry Brown. Our number three batter was another Cuban, the unforgettable Tony Oliva. 
who probably should have been league MVP. I have read that if Oliva's defensive skills had been developed sooner, he could have started for the Twins as early as 1961. There was no doubt about his hitting as early as 61. And in 61, let's remember that all the offensive stats in the American League were juiced. Our cleanup hitter for game one of the series was, you guessed it, Hammerin, Harmon, Killebrew. He was out for part of the season with injury. The number five batter was Jimmy Hall, a real hero in the eyes of the first generation of young Twins fans. He had a brief prime with the team, but is very fondly remembered. A left-handed hitter with power. There is speculation his career was hurt by getting hit by pitch by Bo Belinsky. Big Don Mincher was the number six batter in manager Sam Mealy's lineup. A friend of mine joked that Mincher hit 30 home runs one year as a pinch hitter. That's exaggeration, but it shows how powerful our lineup was. Earl Batty was our iconic catcher, and he batted seventh. Then came Frank Quillacy, the second baseman, and then Jim Grant, the superb pitcher. Grant hit a home run in game six, but we lost the series in seven games to the great southpaw pitcher of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Sandy Koufax. I shall now recite some contemporaneous writing about the Twins and Dodgers by the great writer for the New Yorker, Roger Angel. This is from his book, The Summer Game, in which he famously described our Metropolitan Stadium as an airy cyclotron. Wow. <laughs> Angel could overwrite a little. Oh, but he was good at his craft. I shall recite. The Twins had the best batting in the league and the third best pitching, but neither was overpowering. This was almost exactly the same team that finished in a tie for sixth place in 1964 when it led both leagues in home runs with 221. This year, its homer output dropped to 150. The Twins won largely because their manager, Sam Mealy, hired a new set of coaches last spring and taught his team a new kind of ball. They issued the bomb and studied the hit and run the stolen base, the stretched single. Pitching coach Johnny Sane put Jim Grant and Jim Cott through a summer-long seminar on spin ballistics, and they won 21 and 18 games, respectively. 
third base coach Billy Martin persuaded the shortstop, a moody Cuban named Zoilo Versailles, that aggressiveness at the plate, quickness on the bases, and a capacity for instantly getting rid of ground balls can make a star out of a small infielder. Finally, no coaches at all were allowed near young Tony Oliva when he approached the plate, and he wound up with his second batting championship in as many years in the majors. Oliva, an outfielder who bats left, has leopard-like reflexes and great speed in the field, and he may become the best American League hitter since Ted Williams. I realize this is getting a little long here, friends, but uh, there's a little material here about the Dodgers too, and I enjoy doing this. So allow me to continue reading. The presence of the Dodgers in this year's series was only faintly more explicable since they too had finished sixth in 1964, and they won this year with a team batting average of 245, the lowest of any championship team since baseball's dark ages. In May, the Dodgers lost their two-time batting champion, Tommy Davis, who broke an ankle and was finished for the season. Unlike the Twins, they had to battle every day to survive in their jungle-like league. And they saw their carefully hoarded little lead wiped out in September by a 14-game winning streak of the Giants. The Dodgers had great pitching and great cool, however, and they responded with a 13-game streak of their own, which put them back on top. They clinched their pennant that last Saturday of the season with an almost typical performance. A 3-1 win by Sandy Koufax over the Braves, in which the Dodgers collected only two hits. They won this year not just because of Koufax and Drysdale and Maury Wills, but because of a combination of speed, pride, and managerial intelligence that enabled them actually to overturn the entire structure of modern offensive baseball which had been built around the home run. The Dodgers hit only 78 homers all year, but they stole 171 bases, thereby inventing a brand new sport, tap ball, perhaps, or Hot Wheels, which was more exciting and certainly more successful than the old game played by the rest of the league this summer. End of quoted material. So, it has been a pleasure waxing a little nostalgic here in this December of 2020. And we look forward to the resumption of baseball on normal terms again. Good luck to all. Good day.